0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ray, and welcome to the RayWenderlick.com podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now, here are your hosts, Mick and Jake.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Mick. Welcome back to the RayWenderlick.com podcast. I'm joined for this episode by my co-host, Jake Goodnesson, as well as Unity team member and contributing author of Unity Games by Tutorials, Sean Duffy. Right, Sean, I guess it's obvious by now that Unity is our platform of choice for this episode, so 20 minutes upon the clock, over to you.
2: Hey guys, hey Mick and hey Jake. Thanks for very much for hosting me on the on the podcast. I'm excited to be here and have a little chat about uh, Unity cloud enabled services. So basically be chatting about the, the services that Unity provide um, to people that are using Unity 3D um, in order to help them bootstrap their game development. Uh, so what I thought I'd do is I would um, Go through the the specific Unity Cloud services that I've used myself uh, first, so the ones that I've got actual practical experience with, um, and then I'll also talk about the other ones that I haven't really covered but just looked at myself. Um, so things like Unity Analytics, uh, which is and Unity In-app Purchase, which are two that I haven't had a look at myself yet, but uh, I've read a, a, and watched some videos about. Um, so the first one I thought I'd talk about is Unity Ads. Um, now, obviously, there's been a huge um, sort of swing towards um, freemium model games, and people are looking to use ad networks in, in their games these days uh, with the freemium model. Um, so, what Unity Ads does at the moment is it allows you to integrate um, video ads into your games, and not just sort of static video ads that you just sit there and watch and, and get players to watch. They they have a very special way of of working with um, video ads, and that's. They encourage you to um, give rewards to players in, in return for watching ads. So you basically get um, good quality uh, click throughs on, on those, and your, uh, your pay per click sort of uh, rating that you get for, for ads is, is generally quite high, or at least in, in my experience, it is. Um, so it, it's really great because you don't have to um, fiddle around with um, integrating custom SDKs and adding third-party SDKs into your Unity game to use it. Uh, you literally just uh, click a little tab in, in the unity uh, engine editor itself and just enable unity ads. And it's as simple as that as soon as you've done that, it enables the service for your your game. And the only constraint is that unity Ads is available for iOS and Android at the moment. you, you can't use it on uh, Windows Mobile, for example or any uh, desktop uh, platforms. So as long as you're on Android or, or iOS, it's you're good. And uh, once you've enabled um, Unity Ads, you pretty much uh, just go, go into your code editor and start using the the Unity Ads namespaces to work with it. Um, they've got some some great sort of helper classes that get you going. And just with one line of code, you can already be displaying a, a video ad in, in your, your game. Um, and then to, to work with, the uh, video ads that give players rewards all you've got to do is just work work out in your game the sort of logic that you want to provide to uh, give players ads in return for rewards. So, As an example um, one of my games that I've got out on, on iOS and Android at the moment um, I let the player play the game and as soon as they die if they've made reasonable progress in the game I pop up a little dialogue that says um, you know, you've obviously died now, but if you watch a 30-second video ad and complete it, you can resume your progress and continue on from where you are. Um, so if, if you do some, something like that, you can then show a rewarded video ad, and those rewarded video ads generally, I, b- I believe, give you more revenue um, for those that, that players get and, and actually watch. And what you do in your code is you provide a, a callback method um, that that is called as soon as the user either cancels or completes a video ad and depending on the action that they took, whether they cancelled or completed it, you can then branch off your code and decide to reward them with, you know, some in game currency or a resume of their of their play, for example. So it's
1: sorry, just just before you got is this Unity's own ad platform or are they just like provided a wrap around, you know, like Google's Ad platform or, or one of the other ad platforms out that
2: there. Um, that's an interesting question, actually, and it, it definitely from the front. It, it looks like it's their own service and that they're um, it's their own sort of thing that they provided. But having logged into my publisher sort of portal, I watch the little URL bar at the top uh, when you log in, and it's definitely going through a third party. And I can't remember what the the name of the platform is. Um, they've obviously I don't know if they're sort of um, fully committed to working with Unity, you know, 100% or not. Um, but Unity definitely seemed to have either taken over an existing ad service that was running under a different name before, either they bought them out or they're working hand in hand with them. So, um, yeah, th- there's definitely some other service or platform uh, in the in the works in the background there. But unfortunately, I can't remember the name. <laughs>
1: Do you take a, a a revenue split like Apple did when iAds was first launched or do you get to keep 100% of your CPM or whatever it is that you know that they they measure it by
2: Yeah so so you do well it appears that you do keep um obviously 100% they they don't seem to revenue split but obviously what they've done is they they work with partners that um buy advertising space on on the platform and they obviously charge them a certain amount and then you get your certain CPM uh, rate back from that. Um, but when you get your payouts, they they don't take any split off that. You, you get exactly what you see you've earned in your in your portal, which is quite cool.
1: So I know you've got some other cloud services you want to discuss, but I'm, I'm always intrigued by people that move to the freemium model more. So if they are coming from a paid model rather than starting out freemium, Um and you mentioned that's kind of one of the approaches you've taken with your game, or one of your games. And I was just wondering how that had worked out for you. Like, do you get analytics behind people watching video, people watching the videos, and the kind of rewards that you gave and that kind of stuff? Or
2: you can definitely get analytics from from the um, the the ads that you serve up. And by default, you get uh, figures back on impressions that you've done. So you can see the very basic stat, like you know how many videos users have played and how many rewarded ads have gone through. You do get that very basic information. Um, uh, but if you want to figure out more in-depth analytics, I guess you would probably want to bolt on a, a third party um, or at least use Unity's analytics service with that. And then you could, you could basically figure out more advanced um, paths that users have have taken. So for example, you know, you pop up an an ad dialogue asking them if they want to watch an ad and you can log an event there. And then you can log an event based on whether they choose to watch one or not. And then you can also log an event if they cancel the ad. So I think you'd have to add a little bit of custom functionality there if you want a more uh, detailed analytics. Um, But the, the basic stuff is definitely there. So I'm I'm a very sort of um, casual game developer at the moment, Uh, so I don't put a lot of effort into it, but um, using uh, Unity's video um, Unity ads was more of a project of curiosity for me. And I thought, let me try and um, clone the mechanic of, of a popular game and see how quickly I can get that game up and running. And I probably spent maybe 10 to 16 hours doing the game um, and a few extra hours implementing Unity ads. And I published it to iOS and Android. And, and it's not done too badly, actually. I, I mean, I don't mind giving away, you know, what what money comes in from that. Um, I sort of seem to see roughly about $200 every two to three months. And it, it's a very sort of, I mean, considering I only spent about, you know, less than 20 hours doing the game, and I've just kind of left it there running... Um, the revenue has sort of slowly tapered off because I haven't been paying attention to updating the game or anything, but it's, you know it still brings in a, re- a reasonable amount considering the, the, the amount of work I, I put in. And um, the figures behind the actual game itself, I think on Android I've got about 20,000 installs and iOS I've also got about 20,000. So roughly 40,000 installs in total. And, and that's the sort of amount it, it uh, sort of generates.
0: Have you looked at other ad networks to compare the revenue performance versus some of the more besides Unity's, or have you basically only used Unity so far?
2: Yeah, I've basically just used Unity so far. I did a, a long time ago when I was using Coco's two D iPhone. I think I had a, a quick play around with um, I think it was AdMob or something like that, just serving up static ads, um, and that's that's all I've I've really tried. But it was such a long time ago, I can't really. Um, compare what I remember from that. So um, yeah, I mean that was Unity Ads. So I thought maybe I I talk about um, Unity Cloud Build next. Uh, I'm really into my sort of continuous integration and uh, continuous deployment stuff, even even for um, my work, my line of work where it's more sort of business software side. Um, so I'm always interested in automating builds and. Um, saving time like that and you know, saving man-hours. So Unity Cloud Builds, I I fairly recently started taking a look at. Um, and it's really cool. You can pretty much, they've, they've got a free uh, model where you can sign up and, and create a project and link it up to your Unity 3D game. And what you do is you set up a, a Git re- repository. Um, at the moment, I'm using Bitbucket for, for my source code. Um, but I'm pretty sure you can use GitHub too if you want, and all you do is you go into your Unity Cloud Build project and you set up a webhook essentially, um, which basically watches your Git repository uh, for any code change that happens, and whenever you commit a change up to a, a particular branch that you've set up Cloud Build to to um, watch, um, Unity Cloud Build will automatically pull down those changes. Uh, to their build servers and spin up uh, a build server pod for you and build your your code for you. And what you do is you set up targets. So I can say, for example, I want an iOS target, and I want an Android target, and maybe I want a Windows desktop target. And it'll go and build those three targets for you. Output the the build artifacts, which are the actual uh, compiled games. And as soon as the build finishes, it emails you uh, to say, you know, hey, this this build is complete, and and here are your your build files. And um, in the case of iOS, it's it's really cool. You can set up your code signing certificates and things on the platform, um, and install the Unity Cloud Build certificate locally on your device, and you can pretty much build and um, download straight to your device, and and have a uh, running build on your on your device without having to go through all the um, the painful stuff, you know, going through test flights. I mean, I, I can't really say it's painful because I haven't used test flight in years now. But um, from what I remember, you know, te- test flight took quite a bit of setup to to get working. Um, and with Unity Cloud Build, it, it's really simple. You just tap the download link, and it updates your your um, app on your phone or your iPad almost instantly. And, and you've got your your changed build ready to go. Um, And and the same thing happens with Android. You just put in some key store information um, that it signs the application with, and you can pretty much just download it straight to your device and and test it from there. So it's really cool in that regard. Did it give you
1: sort of like shell access to the, I assume it would be like a VM running in Um, Unity Cloud? Because I'm I'm just wondering, like, it's only taking, I mean, it's great that you can build it in the cloud, obviously, and then it does this. It automates the distribution, so you can log in and download it from within Cloud Build, and it installs it directly to your app. But there are lots of tools that uh, iOS developers use, a bit like Fastlane now, where once you've you know once you've got your build, then you can almost automate the remaining steps of taking your screenshots, you know, running the same screenshots through all your localizations, uploading all that stuff into iTunes Connect, and all that's automated. And sort of on a Mac when you're doing it with a, an iOS app, because I am not sure how familiar you might be with Fastlane. But you you can kick this all off with an Xcode build and it'll run the entire process. And at the end of it, you know, you've got a brand new build ready for review on on iTunes Connect. And it seems that Unity will take you so far with that process I was just wondering if you could like plug the rest in to to cater for the you know, mm. for what, what for the steps that were remaining.
2: Yeah, very good question. And and I was hoping you would sort of um Go that way because that—that's what I wanted to talk about next. Um, I haven't actually used Fastlane myself before, um, but that sounds really cool. You know, the way, the way you can automate everything from screenshots to, you know, having a ready-to-submit app uh, on the iTunes uh, Connect platform—that's uh, really cool. Um, I guess Unity's sort of um, advantage is—is is obviously having multi-platform, and you know, you can build for Xbox or PC or you know, all of that. Um, But in terms of automating the REST, I'm pretty sure you could definitely, if you spent a lot of enough time, um, you could definitely get part of the way, if not all the way there. Um, So the the things that I've had to play around with um, on Unity Cloud Build was um, their API. So they've got a a REST API that you can hook into. um, And they've also got some other things like uh, pre-build uh, methods and post export methods i think they're called if i remember correctly uh, but what you can do is you can basically write in, in your code if you're writing c sharp you can go and create some pu- public static methods in a little helper class in your project and um, you tag them as um, uh, sort of these post export methods and in the in your unity build configuration on unity cloud build you can go and type in the name of your static method that you've written, um, and it'll either you can either plug that method name or method names into the um, pre-build process or the post-build process, so you can get a lot of custom functionality running just before a build and and just after a build. So, as a, a sort of practical example, I was working with somebody recently. Um, who they didn't have very much Git experience and they weren't comfortable with making um, changes to their Unity code base using Git. And they basically had some third-party contractors developing their game for them and it was now being handed over to them. So they wanted to be able to easily um, manage updates to some of their game data which they were storing in um, basically CSV files. Um, So for them, changing a CSV file was really simple, but changing the code and committing it up and getting Unity Cloud Build to build it was a little bit too difficult for them. Um, So what I helped them do was write a a post-build method um, that basically went into their Dropbox and downloaded a CSV file and um, plugged it into the game and uh, dumped it into a resource folder in the, the game's resources when it got built. And in the game, it basically referenced this resource file. So what it meant was they could go and update their CSV file in Dropbox and kick off a build manually on Cloud Build, just in the UI. And when it finished building, it would have their latest CSV data that they had changed into the, the game. So that was a really cool way of, of using those um, methods. But I guess if you wanted to go further and automate things like screenshots and all of that, you could you could definitely hook up to Unity Cloud Build's um, API, and they've got various endpoints that you can um, that you can query uh, to accomplish uh, additional functionality and tasks and things like that. It, so if you can't do it in the, the pre or post export methods, um, I'm sure you could use the API to do that. So I, I guess you could maybe run. Um, any sort of localization modifications and and um, checking of, of data or running of tests, unit tests, things like that, I'm, I'm pretty sure you could hook them up. And if you spent, uh, I guess my my saying with um, automation and, and continuous integration is if you spend enough time on it, you can pretty much achieve any anything you want. So I, I hope that sort of um, gives you guys a, a better overview of, of um, how you could sort of integrate your, your custom tasks and custom automation with with Unity Cloud Build.
1: Yeah, I mean I really do like the sound of that because it you know, it, it does sound as though they've given you a really solid product in Unity Cloud Build itself, but then they've realised that it, you know, it isn't gonna cater for the hundred percent that people are gonna need. So they've you know, rather than trying to provide you with GUI and, you know, services within that product itself to cater for every possibility for you know for every developer and and every team out there they've just gone you know what it'd be easier and probably more practical to give you a, a nice and easy to use api and then guys can just go and build the tools that they need on top of cloud build and I think that's a really good approach from you know from such a big company because you don't often see that but um I'm conscious of time I've just got to about wrap this up now uh short but just a couple of Last couple of questions for you. Um, obviously, we've only managed to cover a couple of the cloud services, and I do appreciate that there's quite a few more uh, looking on the Unity website. Um, do you cover cloud services at all in the Unity book that's just been announced?
2: Um, no, I don't believe there's there's too much uh, coverage on that. I think they're... Don't hold me to this, but I know it's either coming in the book or possibly a tutorial on the Ray Wendelick site, um, but it's on in-app purchase. Uh, so, so don't quote me on, on it being in the book, but if it's not in the book, I'm I'm sure it's on the um, on the horizons for the, the, the site itself.
1: Okay, great. Well, you actually answered my second question <laughs> in the answer to the first one, so I know that worked out well. Um, and I will put a link in the show notes to your site as well, because I've noticed you've got a couple of, maybe not tutorials, but... You know, you've you've wrote up some notes of your your own on using uh, a couple of the cloud services, so we'll definitely get those into the into the show notes. But yeah, I'm cool. afraid that is uh, all we've got time for for your segment, Sean. But you know, that was great, really interesting discussion. Always interesting to hear, as I said before, about the freemium model and people's experiences with it, because it does seem that the market is shifting that way. Uh, and I'm sure yeah. you know the guys out there that are that form part of our unity contingent. Well, I've got a lot out of that conversation, or at least I hope they will. But now, before we move on to Jake's topic, we are just gonna take a short break and hear about the sponsor for this episode. BuddyBuild is a mobile-optimized, continuous integration and delivery platform that takes minutes to set up. Thousands of mobile development teams love BuddyBuild because it's the fastest way to distribute their apps to users and gather bug reports, feedback, and crash reports then use built-in integrations for bug trackers and tools like Slack to seamlessly integrate that information back into their development process. With a simple screenshot, testers can send their feedback directly to you along with important diagnostic details. If your app ever crashes, BuddyBuild will record the frequency, the affected users and traces back to the exact lines of source code that caused that crash in the first place. BuddyBuild gives you even better visibility into crashes with instant replay. A video recording that shows exactly what your users were doing when the app crashed, giving you the exact steps needed to reproduce the issue. BuddyBuild gives development teams like yours perfect insight into bugs and empowers you to iterate on your app faster than ever, knowing you're building an app your users will love. Join the thousands of developers who've already added BuddyBuild to their development process. You can try it for free at BuddyBuild.com or follow the link in the show notes. Thanks again to BuddyBuild for sponsoring this episode of the RayWendwick.com podcast. Now, Jake, I'll put another 20 minutes on the clock. The mic's all yours. I, I thought uh, it might be interesting
0: to talk a little bit more about the Unity Asset Store and kind of the ways that you can extend Unity beyond kind of what you get out of the box. And I think, I think Unity definitely has some big advantages in terms of how extensible it is. And so I was just going to run kind of run through a high level overview of what's available on the asset store and then maybe talk in more detail about the pros and cons of some of the specific packages that I have used um and then you know see if if um yeah just see if there's anything else uh about the asset store so um there are tons of assets in the asset store and you might think from the title um that it's mostly like audio and and visual assets so like it's mostly like 3D models and I guess, in terms of raw numbers, it kind of is, but um, there are tons and tons of tools in the Unity asset store for making your life easier as a unity developer uh, beyond just you know um, buying you know animated three d gorillas or whatever um, There are tools that potentially change completely the way you interact with unity itself um, the unity is extensible both in terms of um you can write code and add to your project, but you can also write code that runs in Unity that alters the way Unity works. You can add your own editor panels and you can add uh, menu items. And so you can actually build, um, you can build out the Unity editor editor to include uh, more sophisticated functionality. And that for me as a developer, that's some of the most ex- interesting and exciting stuff that you can do um, in Unity and that, that stuff's available on the Unity Asset Store. So like just real quick, um, just to, as of today, I went and looked through some of the numbers in terms of how what's available in their, in their different categories. And for example, there's about 16,000 3d models available. There are about 3000 audio samples, and that's things like either sound effects or background music or ambient music. Um, there are 1400, um, completed projects. So there's a completed project, uh, bucket. And this includes all kinds of like tutorials and like prebuilt projects where you can basically buy, um, a game type, uh, and then you can go in and edit it and and add to it and change the art assets out. But it's kind of like a prebuilt game. It's like basically like a starter kit. We offer the starter kits uh, on the site. It's similar to that. And there are 1400 of those on the unity asset store. So there is a ton of, of content. Um, there are about 2100 editor extensions uh, on the unity asset store Um, and then there's some more specific things like um, scripting support so uh, one of the cool things is there's
2: something called pro builder Um, have you used pro builder at all sean yes i have actually Um, i think i I was lucky enough to to grab ProBuilder when it was on a promotion or when they ran it for free on Reddit. So I think I I picked up on a thread and I managed to get one of their ProBuilder tools for free and I had about a a one or two hour play with it and it was amazing what what you could prototype and build up the the sort of 3D levels and and things. It was really, really cool.
0: Okay. Yeah. So ProBuilder is one of the more popular ones. I haven't used it myself Um, but it's $95 and it's a visual scripting, uh, tool. So instead of writing script through code, you can, you can create scripts visually. And this is fantastic for people that don't want to code. Don't find that intimidating. And I imagine there's also use cases for people who do want to code. I mean, there's plenty of visual scripting applications that where you can just, uh, that I've used where it's sometimes it's just easier to get things, something done visually. It's the representation makes more sense than the equivalent thing in code. And so, I'm sure there's. it's not just for people who don't want to code, but um, I think primarily for people who don't want to code but want to make games in Unity, there's this ProBuilder tool. It's one of the most popular tools in the store, and it has been for a while. Um, and it's popular enough that some of the other Unity asset packages will offer hooks. So they will say, you know, here's this other package, and it also will work with ProBuilder. So one example, I think anyway... Uh, one example I had, um, was something, there's a handful of what's called tweening libraries and tweening is another way to like, um, to create a series of animations or series of actions that run concurrently or in a series um, and in Cocos2D, it's the, or, or even in SpriteKit, it's the SK action structure. So all those SK actions in Unity, th- those are libraries that do an equivalent thing are called tweening libraries. Um, and when I first started working with Unity, I was frustrated that that wasn't built in. There wasn't just a built-in way to say, I want to run, you know, I want to scale this. I want to rotate this. I want to move this from here to here. And then I want to execute this. I want to play this piece of music. And then I want to run this other code block. And I couldn't find a good, easy way in Unity to do that. Eventually, I did figure out the the, the built-in Unity way to do it, but it was was more kind of through the editor, and I didn't like it as much. And so I went on this quest to find basically a tool in the Unity Asset Store that would allow me to write uh, logic the way I was used to writing it in SpriteKit. And lo and behold, there was tons of these tweening libraries. Um, and some of these twinning libraries had hooks that you could use the twinning library from ProBuilder because that's how popular ProBuilder is. Um, because I haven't used it. Did did you, Sean, did you find any downsides in your, in your quick play with it? Was there anything that you felt like this is limited in this way or like what? It seems very cool, but like
2: anything, any kind of third party tool, usually there's pros and cons. Yes. Um so I, I think you you might be well, I might be thinking about one asset slightly different to you. Uh, the visual scripting one that I was talking about is called Playmaker. Oh, and that allows you're right. it to you to right. uh, was it? Okay, cool. I was gonna talk so about I Pro Builder actually, too.
0: I've got it on my in my notes, that's why I made that <laughs> yeah, that's a mistake. Playmaker is what I'm trying <laughs> but to But I
2: I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah. So okay. so um Playmaker, I've actually had a chat with the developers and I haven't used it myself but I have watched a lot of um, videos and things about it Uh, and the reason I was chatting with the developers um, of Playmaker was I was interested in um, adding support to some of my scripting assets to hook into Playmaker Um, so I had a quick chat with them around that. When I was talking about ProBuilder, that's another asset that was um, related to Uh, building out 3D environments and prototyping uh, levels and things like that using blocks. And that's the one that I have had a quick play around with. That one, I I didn't sort of come across any um, hang-ups or any issues, but admittedly, I I didn't really use it for for that long. Uh, I tend to sort of um, stick to more of the 2D side of Unity. It's my sort of favorite favorite area of working with Unity. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, yeah. So, just to kind of back up um because i did mix those up yeah so playmaker is the name of the visual scripting pro builder is a tool that allows you to build out um 3d environments and it's like and again i haven't used this one myself but i'm familiar with i've watched a bunch of the videos and it's it's almost like you've got like a blender style environment in your unity editor and you can you can basically ex- extrude meshes to create different level environments like in like spaceships and stuff um, is that basically right, Sean?
2: Yes. Yeah. That that's it. And and it was absolutely amazing how quickly and and how you know sort of professional you could get things to look with with such a small amount of time. So I was really Im- impressed with that asset, and, and I think they're justified in in um, charging the the price that they charge for for that asset. It, it definitely is a, a nice tool to have.
0: Yeah. And I should mention a, a handful of the things I'm going to talk specifically about are about a hundred dollars, but that's actually expensive. Most of the unity assets on the Unity asset store are under 50 bucks. A lot of them are, you know, 10 bucks. It usually you'll find a tool and you're like, this is not, this is not expensive. Um, and then every once in a while, there'll be a tool like, like pro builder, or um, talk a little bit about NGUI and text mesh pro. They're all about a hundred bucks, but they're very, very feature-rich, um, deep tools. That that I mean, whoever is developing them, it looks like more than a single developer. It's the the amount of work that's gone into some of these tools is more than what somebody's doing in their spare time. I and mean, this is a profession; these are professional-level tools. And that's one. I think that's one of the things that's nice about Unity is that it does allow like professional studios if they need. Uh, tool chains that aren't available they can just build them right on top of unity um so i think that's one of the huge advantages of of unity is just this and for and for amateurs because there's this tool chain we can just buy them right from studios that have developed them or, or plugin makers that have developed them we can have access to you know a very sophisticated set of tools without having to go through and and build it ourselves in some cases it would just it would take too long um so yeah, so the other thing, like I mentioned NGUI. So NGUI for a long time was the 2D UI layer that everybody used in Unity. I think it was the most popular one. And this was a little bit before I started using Unity, but this is my understanding. And the the new 2D interface and the way Unity handles 2D now is very much like NGUI. Is that do you know if that's right, Sean?
2: Yes, um, uh, that sounds pretty pretty much correct to me. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure that, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, one of the developers of um, NGUI went on to work for Unity for a while while they were developing UGUI, which is now Unity's de facto sort of um, GUI and, and 2D um, Canvas toolset.
0: Okay. That yeah. That was my under. That's I'd heard that that somehow in GUI, the the devs at NGUI or a dev was you know part of Unity's building out their their 2D tools. So I don't know. I it's still one of the most popular. Like just looking through the Asset Store, it's still one of the most popular tools. I don't know if that's a legacy support thing or if there's more. There that you don't get with the built-in Unity stuff, but if you do need a like, NGUI is kind of the forever it was the standard in terms of you know buttons and and things like that, scroll views and whatnot. Um, another one that I used um, quite a bit is called Text Mesh Pro. So Unity has built-in ways of handling labels. You can you know place labels into 3D space, um, but what Text Mesh Pro adds to that is a bunch basically it takes your label and it turns it into a 3d mesh and once it's a mesh you can texture it you can put shaders on it you can add all kinds of crazy effects it's you know it makes it really easy in the editor you can set up outlines and internal um, a lot of the stuff you might do with text in photoshop like inner glow outer glow shadowing um, all that kind of stuff and so basically you can do kind of any visual effect you might want to do on a letter or on a text label um, you can do with text mesh pro. And I have used that one um, quite a bit and it has both a bunch of, you know, hooks in terms of it has a coding level interface where you can kind of set all these things up, but it also has editor extensions so that when you, when you bring in a text mesh pro element into your scene, you have a special pane that has all the properties of text mesh of that particular text label that you can edit in the editor. Um, And that seems to be kind of the kind of the standard uh, in terms of, these plugins they often have you know you can either you can either interact it with scripting or it has a bunch of editor level panes and interface that you can use
1: so I mean this sounds like this is the way that unity tend to work because we were just talking about the cloud build and how how they give you a solid product that takes you so far but then they give you the ability to extend that product if you need something more bespoke or you know something that it doesn't do and it sounds very much as so though you can apply the same to the actual unity 3d 2d editor as well yeah yeah that that's been yeah that's my take on it this obviously is some sort of philosophy that the unity guys work by but it's, i mean i know when apple announced extensions for xcode and obviously we covered this on the on the previous episode that there were several people myself included and i know you mentioned it last last episode as well jake that we were excited by what this was gonna you know or what we thought it might deliver and then we're sadly disappointed by what actually was delivered and it's almost as if unity is a good model for that you know because anybody that's ever used the the you know unity tool chain out of the box knows that they are getting something incredibly reliable and solid and that that will allow them to do so much already um but then just being given the ability to customize that and then as you said before once you've put in the effort to do that customization actually then profit from it and, you know, get some return on that investment. I think it's a really good, really good model for both uh, Unity, the company, and anybody working on the Unity platform.
0: Like you say, giving developers an incentive to build tools for each other, I think is a lot of what creates such a rich environment. And the Unity asset store, to me, does have a little bit of the problem that a lot of places have, which is it's just full of stuff. And it takes some work to sift through and find the good stuff. And I mean, there's like, there's rankings and there's like top 10 lists and things to help you kind of surface that stuff. Um, A lot like, a lot like, you know, the app store. Um, the, The assets, store assets I have used, the scripting tools I have used, there is this constant back and forth in terms of versioning. So Unity will come out with a new version and it'll break something in your in one of your asset store packages. And so you've got to wait you got to know like is is and then you got to wait for that developer to update, right? To be compatible with the new version. Because there's so many assets on the asset store and so many different developers, some developers are on top of that because they're making real money um, providing these tools. And so they're going to make sure that as soon as possible, they have an update. And then there's other people where you might have downloaded an asset that you really like, but you know, you might be one of 15 people that have downloaded it and there's no incentive for that developer to support it in any real way. And so you have this fight. Um, And so in that sense, I think Apple's trying to avoid that kind of mess um, that you do, you do have um, with unity, but I think I definitely think Apple could afford to be more give us more than just, you know, source code editing in their editor extensions. I did I hear Sean that you have some assets on the asset store that you sell?
2: Yeah, I've I've got about five or six assets that that I work with and you're right. So it, it is um a constant sort of um back and forth to keep them updated. I do tend to spend quite a lot of time making sure that they're always Um, up to date with new releases. And what you can do as a publisher is you can publish multiple versions um, well, multiple Unity versions of a version of your asset. So for example, uh, you could have a version for Unity 4 and you can have a version for Unity 5.1 and you can have a version for Unity 5.3 and 5.4. So you can provide all of those different versions if you put the effort into it and make sure that uh users of different uni- unity versions are all covered. So that is quite a, a nice thing to do.
0: How has your experience been? Have you have you been pleased with the amount of revenue you've been able to make as a provider on the asset store?
2: Yeah, I, I I've generally loved the process of, of being a, a publisher on the asset store. Um, I think I I started off providing some Skybox assets initially. And, you know, that they did okay, but they they weren't anything amazing. It just happened to be that I was in a a sort of phase where I was enjoying creating uh, Skyboxes. And I thought, okay, let me make a a whole bunch of themed Skyboxes and just put them on the store and and see what happens. Um, And after I saw that, you know, people actually did download your your work um and they paid money for it i thought okay let me take this further and i started concentrating on doing scripting assets uh, which is where the, r- the real money for me comes in from um, I, I have always done it as a sort of a part-time evening and weekends uh thing because i've always had a, a full-time job to to worry about during the day so i think if i if i spent more effort on it um Or if I took it full time, I'm I'm pretty sure if you put enough focus and and polish on on your stuff, you could definitely make a a reasonable living um, doing that. So, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed being a a publisher and I I found my scripting assets do do reasonably well.
1: Right, chaps, I'm going to have to wrap it up for this episode because we are out of time. Uh, Thanks once
2: again uh, for joining us, Sean. Yeah, thanks very much, Mick. And thanks very much, Jake. It was uh, great having a chat with you guys.
1: It's been our pleasure. Now, if you do have any feedback or comments on the podcast, then please do get in contact via podcast at com, And don't forget to leave your reviews on iTunes, as they really do help us and stay motivated. Keep putting out these podcasts every other week. We do hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you all next time.
0: And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the raywendlick.com podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes. See you next time.